because you're jumping back into the gap. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Hey coach, happy 250th episode of the Basketball Podcast. In this episode, I bring on my wife, Jen Oliver, to discuss learning, unlearning, and relearning, how change can cause anxiety and how we can manage it, practice design, being the best versions of ourselves and helping our players become the best version of themselves, and so much more. Thank you to everyone who has listened, shared, and discussed the Basketball Podcast as we have had over 5 million downloads worldwide. And we're grateful for the opportunity to continue to share the game with you. Enjoy this episode and consider supporting us with a social media post or a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts to help us continue to share the game. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hello. So happy to be here. (laughs) Since episode 100, I haven't had you on with just you and me together. So great to have you back. I am so happy to be here. You're the one, you're the inspiration behind the podcast. And now the podcast has over 5 million downloads. Wow. That is a huge number. It's wow. Since 2018, it started? Yeah, 2018. Wow. And uh, so grateful for that. And so grateful for obviously your help in building the podcast. And uh, totally. What has been <laughs> on your mind since we were last together? Well, it's, it's so many things, obviously, sharing the game the way I have reminds me of a lot of a book I read some time ago, uh, Alvin Toffler called Future Shock. Mm -hmm. Uh, The basic premise of which anxiety can be caused by too much change in too short a period of time. And uh, when I think about uh, so many coaches that uh, we've shared the game with, you know, I think this is a realistic quote to be able to understand kind of the process of joining basketball immersion or interacting with our concepts. And now all of a sudden, being in this situation where it's almost too much information, too much overload, and, you know, they think they have to change everything all at once. But uh, my favorite quote from that book was, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. And when I think about the coaches who have been most impacted by our community, the basketball podcast, the BDT offense, our basketball immersion membership community, I think of them embodying this quote, a willingness to constantly ask, is there a better way instead of spending all this time on whether it's right or wrong? So true. If we aren't learning, relearning and unlearning, specifically unlearning some of the stuff that we haven't, that hasn't been working, I guess, that we have been doing for so long and hasn't been working. And it's so true. It's scary. It's overwhelming. Like you said, we've seen so many coaches who just don't even know where to start, which is where the membership site comes in so handy. Yeah, the membership website is not just a content dump. There is a coherent thought process to everything, which is around this games approach, constraint-led approach to learning, learning theory, and and definitely with a focus on stickiness, getting things Mm -hmm. to stick in terms of what your coaching is actually helping your players improve and helping your team win. And for those things and those coaches that have really dove into it, I mean, there's been a huge benefit and, uh, you know, at all levels of basketball. And that's been a lot of fun to be able to do it. But I do sometimes get frustrated by the amount of resistance there are to ideas that, again, have been evidence-based research ideas that have existed for 30 plus years. It's not like we invented any of this. 
we just created a practical vehicle to be able to apply it to basketball coaching. And to me, the resistance is always curious in the sense that, well, I'm going to do it the same way I did it 30 years ago. But meanwhile, would you approach your life that way? Would you be still using the same phone that you used 30 years ago? The thing is, I, I understand resistance because change is scary. And when you've done something for 30 years, especially even 10 years, the same way over and over, you come to the season, you do the things that you know to do that your coach did or your whatever, you know, assistant coach does. Those kinds of things become ingrained and habits are hard to change. We know that every year there's a million resolutions. And then by the first week, we're like, ah, psh, to heck with that. So change is hard. And then when you do feel overwhelmed, it's really difficult. So what kind of advice do you have for coaches who do have that rather than being frustrated or, you know, not knowing what to do with them? How do you give them a little bit of advice to help them with lowering their anxiety in the approach to that? Well, this is something that I think you and I have discussed at length, certainly over the last few months, especially, and to come up with kind of a coherent thought process around this. And uh, the, the thing that sticks with me is obviously coaching development mirrors player development. We would never ask a player to change everything all at once. Mm -hmm. And that's the same for coaching development. If you want to in incorporate games approach, you want to incorporate more random practice, you want to incorporate constraints, you know, you don't have to go all in and jump in the deep end right away. It can be dripped in. And uh, well, maybe you can ideal. explain this concept of dripping, because I think, you know, I've learned it from you and from this. Well, I mean, when it comes to dripping, you just think of it as habit change. When you're doing something in practice every day, it's like habit formation. And I, as you know, a longtime health and wellness coach, realize that you, again, can't change everything at once. You want to overhaul your health. Well, what does that mean? Maybe that just means drinking more water and then getting used to that and then adding in exercise or other health habits that you can compound and add on. So the same thing goes for basketball immersion. You don't dive into the website and then go to practice the next day and add 10 new things. Everybody is confused, overwhelmed, and we leave crying. However, we bring one new thing and for a week or two, we're doing that. Then we add something else and it makes a big difference. Well, it makes a big difference. And don't try and change your entire coaching approach at once. We never ask that of a player, uh, change an aspect or try an idea, get comfortable with it and then change another or add another. And obviously coach development isn't a race. It's a process. Just like we'd say in terms of a player development, it's nonlinear. So is a coach's development. It's nonlinear. And I can still reflect back on different stages of my development as a coach where suddenly something clicked or I got better at something. Or to be honest, I tried something and it didn't work and I threw it out and said, I'm not going to do it again. And that's part of this process of development that, uh, you know, coaches get to muck around with the material. That's really where I think so many of these ideas are born and where I think coaches move from just adopting the ideas to adapting the ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's truly what we want. We don't want people that are just disciples that do exactly what we want them to do. We want them to make it their own and we want to adapt it, not adopt it. Well, and your whole thing is decision training, right? We're training the players to make their own decisions. We as coaches can't be on the floor, right? And so the same thing has to go in practice. We can't all of a sudden expect that we are gonna do something for them. We have to expect that they can learn and adapt one thing at a time that they can then implement and make the right decisions, but they have to understand what's even going on first. Absolutely, and for you, I think a lot of this is hitting home even more now that you're watching our daughters play, mm -hmm. our, our daughters experience coaching. Uh, coaching, whether it's in soccer or different types of camps or different types of sports, and certainly with basketball coaching with me, 
So I'm curious, first of all, uh, being a former college player, you were the best player in our family by far. Uh, great college player and uh, tremendous success with your team in college as well. But uh, I'm curious your takeaways from now coming to practice and watching our daughter's middle school team in particular and seeing them practice. Well, it has been fun coaching our daughter's middle school basketball team together. And now that our daughters are nine and 11, it is just so fun to kind of team up and coach them. So of course, right now I'm just on the sidelines and or being an extra player on the floor, watching you start from scratch with this team who I would say at least 50% of them have never really played basketball at all before. And other ones have just done a little bit. So going back to when I played, I'm just thinking, wow, this is so different. I mean, obviously, you know, our longtime listeners know about your abhorrence of the three-man weave. So we don't do that. I mean, that was a staple back in the day, when I, for sure, when I was in middle school or high school. Um, but definitely, I think just the minute we understand that it's a game's approach to coaching the sport. And this is what I've learned from you over the last number of years. And then seeing that, like you said, in golf, tennis, soccer, the practices are drills. Run around a cone, kick this here. There's no defense. I never put two and two together that that was not the fastest, most efficient way to get these kids to understand how to play in the game, which is the whole point. We're not here for the practice. Sure, we want to learn the skills, grow, adapt, improve, yada, yada. However, when it comes to actually transferring to game from practice, I mean, these girls, after a week of our middle school practice, they can play. They can play four on four, five on five. And I think about back to when I started, it was so many layup lines, just one on zero, doing my own thing on my own. And I was not prepared to play a game, even sometimes till college. I would be like, it's a hot potato. And I'd be, you know, because I couldn't make those sound, solid decisions in the game because I was so used to having no defender or, you know, having a defender, but just doing my thing and playing a role, not making decisions. And so I cannot say how invaluable it's been for me to witness you. I mean, over the last you know few months of you coaching and me coming out to practices and watching, it has been so eye-opening to see what you teach in being implemented in an actual in vivo situation and then watching them improve. I mean, they improve from Monday to Friday. They improve from Tuesday night and Thursday night practice. Like they improve so quickly. I am witnessing it from the inside to see how it goes from kids who don't know how to play the sport at all to being quite coherent in a game situation, to making a decision, making a cut, going to the hoop. I'm like, if I was this age and I even thought about making a decision, that would have been a miracle. <laughs> I just did what I was told. Right, of course, and you wrote memorization and repeat what we said and follow this pattern and all these different and things. And I was really good at that. Like I was a achiever. I was like, I can do this layup exactly the right way. But then came to a game and there was someone in front of me. You should have seen the move. I mean, you did see the moves behind the uh, flying, flinging around all the way. But that's not what I practiced even one time. It right. was only in the game I'd whip those moves out. To give people a perspective, basically, uh, this is the same way I coached my college team: yeah. is that we play basketball to get better at basketball. And we essentially skipped the drills and certainly any type of on-air type of drills. And for this first week we were with the team, we did nothing other than play basketball. Four on four, five on five, three on three. It's so fun. And they have fun playing. Like, they are into it. Well, it's funny because we ask our daughters, what do they want to do in practice today? And what do they always say? 
four and four, five yeah, and play basketball. Three and, three. and any kid would say that if they've experienced it. And uh, we actually heard one player say, what about what did they want? More running? Yeah. And it's funny because she had heard on the boys basketball team, their coach was running them. And for her, she thought, oh, that means we're working really hard. That means we're, you know, somehow getting better. However, it's actually the opposite. That's not getting them better to play in a game. Maybe they're a little bit more conditioned than they were, but we only got one hour in the gym together as a team. We got to take advantage. We got to get to the point and we got to remove the fluff. And that's it. And to frame it for people a little bit. So from the get-go, we created two teams. We played four and four. We don't actually have enough for five on five unless we recruit some other players at this middle school. Uh, and we've recruited some boys to play. But essentially, we start and we play four on four. And we let them play. And then gradually, we drip. Coming back to this concept of dripping, we drip in different concepts. And the main concepts here are spacing. The answer is always space. So basketball is a game of opposites. So we're going to talk about Offense trying to create space and defense trying to take away space, which connects to our shrink the floor concept, which is a constraint that Alex Rama and I use uh, within a lot of our coaching is just this concept of shrinking the floor and restricting space. That's a defensive tenant and the offense has to figure out how to create space. So we'll drip that in and constantly talk about it. Uh, the second concept we'll constantly talk about is advantage. And basketball is a game of trying to create an advantage. So how can we create an advantage and then how can we leverage the advantage when we have it? So that gets built in. And then the third thing is this concept of shot selection. What is a gold medal shot? And for this team, clearly a gold medal shot for every single one of them is a layup because there's very few of them that have the skill or ability, including our daughters, to consistently shoot from the outside. So we frame those three things. And to me, a lot of people might start teaching from, okay, you've got to learn how to pivot. You've got to learn how to pass. You've got to learn how to dribble. But to me, those three areas, space, advantage, disadvantage, and gold medal shots are the fundamentals that we're trying to teach them to get them to understand our principles of play. And uh, without having any type of framework or structure, we just put them in spacing spots yeah. and let them play out of spacing spots. And then from there, uh, within the games approach, hold, recreate, coach the situation, ask a question. And what you saw over the four days that we had them initially was by Kind of the third and fourth day when I stop it and I start to ask a question, they what know. happens? They know the answer every single time. And it's amazing. I don't even remember those times of thinking, what should I have done? Once we do it, it's gone. It's done. I forget. I don't adapt. I don't recreate. I don't, you know, make it a win or score the bucket. And then it's just moved on. And you almost don't learn from all those possessions. Once you do play five on five as a group, it doesn't tie it into what you did in practice. So watching that and witnessing that in the practices is amazing. The way you know, I've heard you talk about stop, recreate, all that stuff for so long. And then witnessing it, seeing it in the practice happen. They're doing the four on four or five on five full court. They're in the middle of a transition or in the middle of a play and you stop it. They all know where they were. They go back, they recreate it and they just learned something. I can literally see the wheels turning and they will answer it. They'll go to that spot. They'll do the thing. And then they will do that later on in the practice they will adapt those things and adopt them and put them into their game it's amazing and these are young kids i am it's beyond impressive to see it applied this way yeah it's a lot of fun and uh, and the situation would be for example uh, one of our players caught the ball in space with an advantage going towards the basket their reaction was what you referred to already yeah. sometimes oh there's a little bit of a panic and yeah. a rush Hot and potato, they just, yeah, hot potato and they shoot it. it yeah. So when we recreate the situation, we literally go back to that advantage where um, our daughter in that example passed ahead to her 
and she was in space with an advantage going to the basket. And as soon as she caught it, she looked at the basket and realized, wait a minute, I can get a gold medal shot instead of rush with a hot potato and shoot it from 15 feet. And by doing that, we always follow feedback with action. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the things that I try and share the most with coaches, because I believe coaches give really good feedback, really good feedback. I mean, there's so much good coaching, but sometimes they give that feedback and don't give the players a chance to apply the feedback so that they can connect perception and decisions with the skill execution. Mm -hmm. And we do that for these players. And we say, okay, cut to score, drive to score, catch to score. And just that mentality of always catching it ready to play offense, uh, it just by and large empowers them. Even if they aren't skilled yet, it empowers them to be- Take a chance. Yeah, and to be the best version of themselves. Exactly. I love it. It's so fun. And then uh, with our daughters, there's variable skill levels. And you can see that as well. Mm -hmm. And I find this is the easiest way to be able to account for individual differences. Because within the game, we can now help them understand a role that can help them be the best version of themselves. True. Because if they can't do something yet, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But they are still seeing other players do those Mm -hmm. things. So to me, um, one of our players is a soccer player, hasn't played a lot of basketball. What did she do at the end of the last practice? She came up to me and said, can you help me with this? this and this and they were all skills things so what we've tried to create for coaches to understand too is the five to ten minutes before practice the five Mm -hmm. to ten minutes after practice are free times for players to be able to explore their individual skills sometimes i can go to them and i can give them very specific things okay you're going to work on uh two-step layups from different angles different spots we're not going to say this is a memorization do it from one spot you're going to constantly explore. Okay, now try one foot. Now try adding a dribble and just do so these good. different things where they have fun with it. They have fun with it. But the goal is for them to be the problem solver and not mm-hmm. us. And uh, you've seen that so many times in our backyard. It's like I could go out and I could teach one of our daughters, okay, go between your legs, shoot, go between your legs, shoot. And you could do that rote memorization of it a hundred times. Or I could just say, okay, figure out how to go between your legs and figure out how many different ways you can go between your mm-hmm. legs. And what do they always end with? A shot. Mm-hmm. Jen, what did you love about basketball? Shooting. Shooting. <laughs> every single thing we do in practice. Yeah. And I think people don't understand it. So confirm it. Every single thing we do in practice is offense versus defense. Mm-hmm. Or they have a ball and they're working on some type of thing to a shot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they have fun with it. They really enjoy it. They really do enjoy it. Watching them love it is so fun too. They're not stuck in a drill board. They're not standing there not sure what to do they're making decisions the whole time and to the player that kind of craved this running because that's what they thought practice was mm-hmm. what they immediately saw when we connected for them is actually they're running the do you realize you're running the whole practice yeah. instead of running this really isolated period of time so your conditioning is actually getting better, better than you realize yeah. because you're not focused on yeah, running. you're not standing there and have court drills no. just doing no movement no there's no subs everyone's playing basketball the whole time and how do you get better at basketball yeah you play basketball exactly. so give us an idea because we've had this interesting situation where we're obviously a little bit more educated maybe in some ways about some of these ideas but i think every parent sees these things and every coach sees these things when you go to a lesson for example mm-hmm. let's talk about golf lessons yeah why did our daughters argue to us that they shouldn't go to golf lessons anymore 
I mean, why did they write us a five page <laughs> essay about it is the question. I mean, this is the first thing I've noticed about it is you can right away know the quality of a practice by whether the kid comes home and says, I loved it. That was amazing. Or I don't want to go back. Or that was boring. Boring is, uh, there's a lot of evidence in the word boring. When you're paying a coach to teach a sport to your child and they're bored when they are a beginner, something is awry, right? And so I think what we noticed pretty quickly was they were enjoying it at the beginning because it was a challenge, because it was something new. They had never played golf. They were now they're putting in and they were winning a prize. It was gamified. It was all good. Then they kept going and kept going and there wasn't anything that was building on it. There wasn't a challenge for them beyond the usual little putting. They didn't spend enough time either on the green, either in the game situation or in whatever kind of competition. We started to notice pretty quickly that they weren't enjoying it each time they went. And we tried to figure out why over a bunch of times. And I would say it was really that they needed a challenge. And it's not like they're born golf players. They literally don't have enough skill or understanding of the game yet. But how could they be bored in the first couple of years of practicing a sport? Well, I know why they can be bored. And you referred to it is that all they did, well, they didn't play golf. They just played driving range. And they did rote memorization, repeating of shots. Uh, they had way too much technical information given to them. Okay, do this, do this, do this, yeah, do this, do this. Yeah, that's what they said. Every shot, they would correct their form. And it, they'd be it, doing it for two years with every correction every single time. And they, yeah, I guess it just wasn't helping them actually feel more confident or competent. And, and this is not to devalue the importance of some technical feedback. But to be honest, as a beginner, and I do this with shooting with players, is the main thing is I constantly have them shoot and then I constantly ask them, how does it feel? Mm -hmm. And the number one thing is I want it to work within their body to feel that there's no stressors on their body. It feels comfortable and the movement makes sense for them. And then from there, it would be, okay, try this. And then they try that a few times and then I would say, well, how does that feel? And then we'd help them connect things to help them kind of improve their technique with a Q&A kind of approach rather than a, do this mm -hmm. because this is what the book says, or this is what works for me. It's what, what, what does work for you? And there's a lot of variation in golf swings. There's a lot of variation in basketball shots and that type of thing. And also to understand that obviously it's a progression to get there and to giving you a 10 minute lecture on the technique doesn't help you. You know, what helps you swing in the club for 10 yeah. minutes and occasionally, goes in the hole. yeah, occasionally getting feedback yeah. on saying, Hey, try this, or have you thought of this? Or how does this feel? That type of interaction with playing the sport and learning the sport by playing the sport. In context. I think the the most obvious sport that I've seen it be uh, shown in in this way is soccer. I mean, they it's Presley's first year in soccer. She's never played soccer. She's nine years old. She joined a team. And it wasn't until every Saturday game she's playing in the game. Every other time, they're going around cones and kicking into a net with no defender. And it's like, okay, how is this helping per se? So practice is practice and game is game. Why isn't that married together closely? And that is what I think I've noticed the most is we watch this, they do these drills and skills around the cone, they kick it, they have no defender, then they get into a game and absolutely don't know how to get the ball away from another player who already has it. There, there's It's not a ball in open field for them to go grab and kick. Now they don't know. Do they tackle? Do they hit? Do they run? Do they go the other way? They don't have that practice experience. And I think that's what I noticed so in contrast with your basketball practices that we've been doing 
is they play in the game. They're then learning in that game context. Oh, this is how I do it. This is how I rip and do the Z because someone is on me in my face, not, oh, I'm just grabbing this ball because it's a loose ball and I never have a competition. Oh, you, you nailed it. For soccer, it was just this lack of interaction with an opponent yeah. or with space. Yeah. Right. And, and we could see it reflected in the game. She just didn't know. She could run everywhere. And if there was an open ball, kick it perfectly. Then when there was people, what to do? Well, and our daughter had an advantage because she's played basketball. She played basketball for me, obviously, a ton. So she knows the answer is space. Mm -hmm. So if <laughs> what we would do a lot is with her off the field is just connect it saying, hey, always find space, kick mm -hmm. to space, run to space, get yeah. to space. And that really did yeah, help her. And that yeah. really is the fundamental that exists in most of those type of invasion sports is mm -hmm. just find space or take away space. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the pylon dribbling drills, I mean, must be soccer's equivalent of three-man weave to me. But I know we do dribbling drills around pylons in basketball too. And I can't, I just got to say, bones over cones, bones over cones. What does just, that mean? We need... People, we need human interactions because mm -hmm. the decision-making process, even if that bone, that person is stationary, we call them octopus. They have to stand still. They're allowed to steal the ball, but they can't move their feet. Okay. That interaction gives them a more realistic perception mm -hmm. of what actually are the visual cues and what is the distracting information. Right. And clearly when you dribble around oh, a pylon, it, it doesn't move. There's no decision. And it's usually just rote memorization and repeatability. And oh my gosh, they're getting better. Well, what are they getting better at? Yeah, yeah. Dribbling so around the cone. Yeah. yeah. So instead of that, my argument to if I've got a chance to talk to our soccer coaches, and there's like 10 practices going on, it's pretty consistent through all those practices yeah. that by and large they don't play much soccer. They do a lot of drills without interaction of an opponent. And my number one thing to them would be to say play more one-on-ones, two-on-twos, two-on-ones, advantage, disadvantage, play basketball or you know, in this case, soccer, where there's decisions constantly stimulated. And we, coming back to your golf example, constantly load challenge. Yeah. We're constantly, as coaches, worried about how it looks. Oh, they're so much better because the drill is clean. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is they're not better now. They can just do it. And, you know, know. would you call it? Yeah. Would you call any of our practices clean? No, no, but that's not what you're going for. That's not, not what you do at practice. Right. And I told Kennedy yesterday, she said, I didn't play my best today. And I said, did you try your best? And she said, yes. And I said, then that's okay. And every time you make mistakes, you are learning. Boom, right? It's the same thing if you go in math. Sure, maybe you didn't get 100% on your test. Great. What did you take the opportunity to learn from the mistakes that you did make? I bet you went back to the test and the ones you got wrong, you learned more from than the ones you got right. Absolutely. And uh, we added new variables to practice yesterday where she struggled. Yeah with new loads of challenge yeah. and that's that's yeah. really it and and for her to kind of connect those things after the fact i mean she, mm -hmm. ideally she starts to connect them in the moment mm -hmm. but after the fact it's really important that she realizes that new new stressors new constraints new uh, variability was thrown onto her that now she was going to struggle mm -hmm. and actually that's the goal every single day the goal is that our players practice mm -hmm. and they struggle yeah yeah and then they're building their skills within that context and then they're gaining their confidence Actually, yesterday when we went skating, uh, the girls, we were doing up their skates. And then I said, how do you guys feel about your skills today before uh, rather than last time, which was their first time ever skating? And um, they said, yeah, I think we're going to be better today. And I said, absolutely, you will be. And I said, what does 
greater skill equal? <laughs> and they both said in unison, confidence. Yeah. And they knew, and they went out there confidently knowing that their skill was going to be better than last time. And right away, they were both improved and they knew confidently that their skills were going to be better just from having practiced it once. They already had that self inflicted confidence. It wasn't even coming from outside. They hadn't even stepped on the ice yet, but they already had that confidence because they knew their skills were going to be better from having practiced. Skill equals confidence. Yeah. I mean, there's no shortcut to that uh, for our team to improve or any team to improve. Players have to get more skilled because they have more confidence and they have more solutions, which is the other part of this, mm -hmm. is that sometimes when you start out, like for our group of players that haven't played much basketball, they literally might only have one solution. But that doesn't mean I don't want them to see the other possibilities because seeing those other possibilities are what is also ultimately going to inspire them to work on their game and train on their own and want to improve their skills so they have more possibilities. And we constantly connect that, that, uh, you know, skill equals confidence. And that's why you're working on your skills. So you have more possibilities. And you know what you also have? More fun. Mm -hmm. Way more fun. More fun. Right, yeah. And they were having fun. I mean, they were building on their skills. And Presley even said, I don't want to fall. But I'm going faster now. I'm trying to go faster so I might fall. And she understood that there was that kind of give and take, and she was okay with it because she wanted to improve those skills. Well, and again, how do you get better at skating? You skate. Mm -hmm. You've got to go through those falls. You've got to go through that struggle. And no matter how much technical information, and there was someone on the ice that stopped our daughters and tried to explain to them about some type of technique. And it, it just, I kind of, kind of said, girls, just go figure it out. Yeah. Like they were trying to be helpful, but at the same time, it's like, it's just too much detail. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to just kind of explore. You got to say, okay, if I turn my skate this way, or if I do this, or if I push this way, what happens to my body and figure it out. And I think it's very real, the fear that coaches have, or anyone has really with making things really messy, right? Mm -hmm. How we say learning is messy. Well, people always want clean, like you said, and it's, it's easy to see where that comes from, but what advice would you give to someone who is going, okay, this is going to look a lot uglier than it does now when I start to implement these little things into my team. We've been doing this all along and now I'm listening to this podcast and I have some kind of new ideas or I'm going to go onto the membership website and see a few new things that I can do instead of what I'm doing. But I know there's going to be resistance. It's going to maybe come from the players because it's different. It maybe it's going to come from another teacher or coach watching my practice. Actually, it's probably going to come from me because I feel all of their resistance. How do I kind of push past that to get to the point where, okay, yes, it's messy, but wow, if you do give it three, four days or three, four weeks, wow, what you can notice in the change and positive direction. Well, number one, it's only, it's only messy. It's only random and variable to the players or whoever's watching. You have a plan as a coach still. Mm -hmm. You know what you're doing. You know what you're trying to shape and you're know, you know what you're trying to have evolve. So for me, that comes back to those things we said already, is to me, I'm constantly coaching the principles of play. Get to a spacing spot. Do you have space? Mm -hmm. If you're not in space, find space. Okay, defensively, take away space. And you see there's consistent themes that we coach throughout. Yeah. I'm not trying to coach everything. Yeah. And that's the other part that comes with that. The advice is don't coach everything. Yeah. It's two-way coaching, and we really get them to focus on these main principles of play and then certain players i can introduce more to individually yeah. and then as we evolve i can introduce more to the group yeah. but i would say that's the other part of all of this is in the mess you can account for individual differences and you can have coaching interventions mostly what i'm sharing here is those mini conversations the one-on-one -on -one conversations that i have with a player or you mm -hmm. have with a player those are the things that impact learning more than the big conversations mm -hmm. in my mind and they can see it in those situations. 
you know, hey, that was a loose ball there, so and so. Do you remember the concept of zing it instead of trying to pull it straight? You know, that concept we can connect for them right yeah. away because they just experienced success or failure in that moment. That. Yeah. But we've also given them a solution that we can connect for them. Mm -hmm. That's the idea of it. Coaching within the game it is, well, I guess come back full circle. Don't be afraid to stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that we stop it too much? No. No, I think it's a perfect amount. And they, I believe I can already see they think it's a perfect amount because they all kind of know. And it's not like they can anticipate when you're going to stop it because they we will play through different things. But they know. They always know. Even if we don't stop it, they you can see it took like a minute for them to, between the play, transitioning or whatever, they went, oh, I should have taken that to the hoop, right? That one time I looked over at the one player and she goes, oh, I know, I know, I just forgot. And she knew right away, right? Yeah. Just by a look I gave her. And I literally was just looking at her. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And it comes back to this concept of uh, learn, unlearn, and relearn. Is that as a coach, there's you have to go through that process. Yeah. And honestly, I go through that practice, that concept every day within a practice. Yeah. And it's constantly reminding me of different things that I'm like, okay. The other valuable part of this is every single day I get to evaluate players and team and decide okay, what do we actually need to learn mm -hmm. to play basketball? Mm -hmm. And it's not to play the drill. Yeah. It's not yeah. to be better at the drill. Yeah. It's not to be better at the skill. It's to play basketball and mm -hmm. connect skills and decisions. Yeah. And truly, I mean, you see it, their skills are not as good as their decisions yet. No, it's true. They know what to do. They can't necessarily do it yet. Exactly. So true. And to me, that Which is was the opposite. I could do everything, but I didn't know what to do and when. Right. So it, again, it maybe seems like a reverse engineering process for most people, but to me, it makes sense because again, it connects the fact of the, why they're working on the skill and we call them reconnections is we can do a drill. We're going to do that drill mixed into the game. So the example would be, say we play four on four and then we stop and then I do some type of drill where it's like, okay, two dribbles dead and now cut, replace to get out of trouble, a protection type plan. And then we come back and play four on four again. So we're doing the drill for yeah. a specific reason yeah. to help them play the game yes. more. Yeah. Well, and to, to kind of go back to what we were just talking about a few seconds ago, as a new coach, I'll call myself a new coach, and I'm experiencing your coaching and I'm watching it. Now, I'm doing this within the context of the fact that Chris, the head coach, is going away for about 10 days in the <laughs> middle of the season. So that's where I come in as assistant turning head coach, just in the nick of time to figure out what I'm doing. So I have here about three more weeks before you go away. And it's giving me the opportunity to watch you coach. And in the whole time, I'm thinking, okay, if he wasn't here right now, what would I be saying to these kids, right? And I now, I mean, it's so simple because like you said, we teach space. So every time I can watch, oh, that didn't go well. Can I go, oh yeah, you know, they weren't in their spaces. So they weren't opening the floor or on defense, they weren't shrinking the floor. So there was too much space for the offense to get through. Number one. Okay, good. So now I can build on that with what else I would say or what else I would notice. But that when I notice that first as the, let's say, limitation to them getting where they want in the game, okay, that's the first thing. Then we can address that. And they know, they are understanding. They're understanding these larger concepts of space, which, I mean, I don't know that I talked about that, thought about that ever, and let alone, you know, whereas because we're teaching them these bird's eye view concepts of the game, they can see it in a big picture and then put themselves in it instead of playing a role and then also not having that bigger picture. Like it's really valuable. It's quite incredible to watch. And truly, if you just did those two things, they will improve. Thanks, Coach. They will improve. I mean, that, but that's, it simplifies things. Yeah. To be honest, again, I think a lot of people think 
kind of how I coach or how Alex coaches is complicated in a way. Mm-hmm. And it is challenging because it's a different perspective if you don't, or if you're not used to coaching, say this two-way coaching mm-hmm. within the game. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it this way, number one, basketball is a game of opposites. So two-way coaching is pretty simple because mm-hmm. if you stop it and talk about shrinking the floor, yeah. you're talking about the offense probably didn't, Spacing yeah, probably stuff. spaced yeah. properly and the defense didn't yeah. shrink the floor. Yeah. Or we can talk about, okay, shrink the floor. They didn't shrink the floor. Offense now, wait, you didn't leverage an advantage. Yeah. And it just constantly yeah. connects those two things back and forth for both of them. And to me, that really does simplify it where I'm not trying to coach a whole bunch of things. I can really narrow their focus on that's things. the key and it's the reinforcement when we're trying to learn a new thing we don't need a hundred things and then we're trying to keep up with all of them right oh this this i remember very distinctly i was not even in no i think i was just in grade 10 because i remember my coach who i remember him telling me about 10 different situations that could happen so if i'm standing at the elbow he's standing there <laughs> over my shoulder going okay if the player is in front of you you do this if they're on the left you do this if they're on the right, you do this. But I was at no point doing any of these things. And there was no defender. He was just giving me all the if scenarios. And I remember standing there going, okay, now then what do I do? Uh, I don't know. And what you do really well, and I think this game's approach is exactly doing to them, is helping them in it, through experience understand what might come up for them and then being able to make the decision around that because it's the decision making that you're teaching not that each individual skill and the 100 permutations and iterations that could be because no two plays are literally ever going to be the same and so when you kind of try and teach within oh this scenario when the player comes to the left well they come to the left at a 10 percent angle 20 percent angle three, you know 30 degree angle whatever it's always going to be different And so you're literally undercutting the opportunity for the player to learn and make decisions and be a decision maker in the game by teaching them all those permutations and overwhelming them with the information. And we can only work and focus and hold in our attention a few things at a time. So it's just too overwhelming, especially for new players. And of course, we want them to learn all the things all the time. I can give an hour lecture on literally any detail. Yeah, yeah. Too much information slows down learning. Too much information slows down learning for a player. And that's where we have to focus on this drip concept and why we started that way. The same thing applies for you as a coach and you're learning, drip it in. The same thing applies to how we need to develop our teams is drip it in Mm -hmm. and gradually build it and focus on the things that are most important. And you reference this, the concept is mixing or interleaving mm-hmm. is that we're constantly coming back to the same concepts. There's, yes. n- there's a reinforcing, here. repeating yeah. those three things that I shared at the beginning, they are constantly being yeah. reinforced and talked about, whether it's a question, whether it's a mini conversation, whether it's a hold recreate or whether it's a big conversation, mm-hmm. those things were always coming back to our principles of play and connecting mm-hmm. everything back to those principles of play. So there is this consistency of it, but there's also this mixing of it where they're basically on the verge of forgetting it sometimes, and then they have to remember it. Mm -hmm. And that, from the evidence-based research around learning theory, is what ultimately leads to permanence, which is learning. It's this this retrieval practice. Oh, I have to retrieve something coach said, which was your example about that player who said right away to you, oh, I know, I know. She retrieved it in her mind, and that retrieval leads to retention. And that's the big point of all of this stuff, is that ultimately, what's the point of teaching it? if they can't apply it. Exactly. And I think it really comes down to a personal choice as a coach that, you know what? Yeah, it might be a little bit more challenging day to day for the first while while you as a coach are including new concepts and ways of teaching and ways of coaching into your practices. 
Um, but our players, we know, are very adaptable and it happens faster than you think, but it is going to be a little harder. Anytime you're implementing, like we talked about, New Year's resolution, whatever, it's going to be different. It's not your normal habit, come home, sit on the couch. It's, oh, drive by the gym and stop in for a workout first. Well, that's not easy the first week or the second week, and you're still likely even to miss your exit. And then you go, shoot, I wanted to, because that's not ingrained yet. But what do we have to do before we can ever get to the gym or do whatever? It's actually make that decision that we're going to do things a little differently. That, you know what, that thing that we kept doing over and over is getting us that result that we know where that's going to get us, right? And it's it's actually taking that personal choice to say, I'm going to do it a little bit harder. I'm going to make myself try a few different things with this team to see if we can get a different result this season. It's more challenging and it is not always going to be someone's first choice because we're exhausted. We're doing this. We're coaching in addition to 20 other things. We have this and that. Well, it's a personal choice that you make. And then I'm telling you within a week, you will notice results. That's the thing that's crazy about it is that taking the harder road, if you did go and take a different route and stop at the gym, even for 20 minutes over the next week, seven times or three times, you would notice a difference and they add up and accumulate over time. And that accumulation, again, adds to confidence, adds to, adds to skill improvement and adds to the fun of it all. And that's, I think, is, is just realizing that it's not as intimidating as you think it is and implementing it is just little things over time. It's not everything at once. And that's where I think for me as a new coach, witnessing it and watching it and seeing, okay, these are just these concepts. If I just focus on these for now, then they, things build on that. So we can start that foundation. It's not overhaul everything at once and it's scary, but it does have to have a personality type and a person who's going, okay, it's going to be harder, but I'm still going to do it. Right. Coach, a brief interruption from our podcast to tell you about basketballimmersion.com. Why do so many coaches coach like it was 20 years ago? Technology, research, innovation have all expanded our understanding of teaching, coaching, and learning. Change can be hard to accept, but with an open mind and willingness to learn, it is possible. This is what Basketball Immersion has done for so many coaches. Coaches at all levels of basketball from around the world have stimulated their coaching development using the Basketball Immersion membership community. Embrace the change that will impact your players and team beyond anything you can imagine. Join our Basketball Immersion community at basketballimmersion.com. So at the premise of what you asked before is how do we know it works? Mm -hmm. And to me, I mean, I know it works because it's worked. Yeah. I mean, my teams have won games. Yeah. Our players have developed yeah. uh, beyond, I think, in some cases, their level, you know, because we put them in those situations and we're seeing it with these, these two kind of under 12 teams that yeah. we're working with. We're seeing it as well. But for you, how do you know it works? Because you've seen the emails, the DMs, <laughs> the, the different types of coaches reaching out oh and gosh. just share that yeah. a little bit. Because I think some people kind of think, again, it's just like me and Alex in this weird experiment. No. But no, I mean, no. people that are part of our community and really buy in and really commit to it. There is significant change in their approach and significant change for their players. Well, I think that it's funny that you say that the DMs and the emails. I mean beyond the fact that they're consistent every single day, you know, Chris has reached out to by coaches being like, this is helping me and your website is helping me. Your podcast has helped me, whatever the case is. The biggest thing is you have changed the way I coach basketball. You have changed how I do things. You have changed this. And it's funny because we always say to back to them, you know, if we're talking to them or you're writing back, is no, you have changed mm -hmm. the way you did things. 
it's because you expose yourself to something new. And it's funny because they really do give you the accolade like, oh, what you know, you've changed my life. No, actually, you decided to do something different. And that's the biggest thing. I knew as a coach, too, when people be like, oh, I feel healthier than ever. I feel amazing. I'm living my best life. You helped me. No, you helped yourself. And that's the kind of self-starter of the you know, personality type I'm talking about. And those people are the ones that are really achieving that success very quickly because they are the ones putting themselves out there to try something different. And the success is very apparent very quickly. But a lot of these coaches, it's I've done this things the same way for 10, 20, 30 years. And since I changed this, since I started this, since I implemented this, everything's different, right? From player satisfaction, which is a huge one we see with the girls, to games and results and scores and you know improvements in skill development, whatever the case may be from the player's perspective. Um, but players, I think the biggest thing is they notice now, players that come to Chris's camps, players that come play in Chris's practices, they will go back to the way things were, or if they go back to a different practice where they're doing that old way, let's say, which is just the same old skills and drills, they're less enjoying it and they find themselves to be not as improving in those situations. Even our girls, we sent them to an amazing high level, maybe one of the best schools in America, camp for a week. And they came back saying, what, Chris? <laughs> I mean, coach, I mean, I took the girls to the camp, we hung out, then they came home to tell you about it. Yeah, well, they, and they, they said exactly what you'd expect. They did stations, they did drills, they played basketball very little. And Chris coaches, gyms of 80 kids at one time and does not have to do that does not need to break down the camp that way can do a games approach in a gym with 60 to 80 kids and have them playing basketball for three straight days is that right you're either playing offense versus defense or you have a ball in your hands or you're having some interaction offense versus defense yeah. and you're always shooting yeah to me the the thing and this may be an extremism for some people but I really feel it's the way. And this is where my coaching has evolved. And I've dripped things into my coaching because I don't think I really thought this even three years ago. But now I 100% believe it. I will do nothing in a practice, in a camp, in a player development session where a player is not shooting mm. or the goal is not trying to score. Because if we're removing that, removing the whole point yeah. of the game. It's like not that forward momentum energetically stops to a uh, holding pattern. It's like, oh, just do this, just do this. Like at no point in any game are you not in a forward momentum. I would argue if they're not trying to score or stop someone from scoring in anything you're doing, then it doesn't transfer and connect mm -hmm. as much as you think to the game. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to me, it's pretty easy as a basketball coach to make sure that we do everything, mm -hmm. offenses versus defense, to be able to connect something in terms of the goal of trying to score. Mm -hmm. And that's why we share that kind of model with our players. It's catch to score, drive to score, mm -hmm. pass to score, you know, shoot to score. I mean, it's all these things. The goal is to score. Mm -hmm. The goal yeah. is to score. Yeah. And however you approach that, as a coach, you can decide what. We're just trying to help you understand a little bit more about the how. Um, so if if I was a coach and I wanted to implement these things and I didn't know how, how is your website set up? Like I would go in there and say, I want to learn. Okay, I know I don't want to do three-man weave. What would I do instead? What do I search? How do I go? It's a rabbit hole and it's intentionally designed that way a little bit. Now we have courses, okay. so we have 25 courses. So a coach can follow kind of a course and kind of okay. say, this is a constraint led approach or a games approach okay. and kind of follow a course along to be able to kind of go through that progression okay. of learning okay. for sure. But I think by and large, the coaches that get the most benefit are the ones that start from a baseline, start from say the clinics. We have a bunch of clinics okay. from Alex and I on there. You get a broad picture of it. 
And then from there, you go down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's how I learned. It's not this like, okay, read this book and then apply it. It's like, oh, yeah, there's this idea that's exciting. There's this idea that's exciting. This idea mm -hmm. that is exciting. Okay, now I want to learn more. So I'm going to search mm -hmm. more about that and find more about that. And that's how kind of it leads to just like for a player, it leads to more of this permanence mm -hmm. because you've mucked around with it. You've kind of come to this mixing concept where you've stimulated your own retrieval practice mm -hmm. that leads to your retention. And you've seen it or you've heard it enough times that now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, Matt Klein, mm -hmm. one and um, Matt, uh, assistant Great coach guy. at the University of Missouri, tremendous. We met him when we were at University of Windsor. He's at Eastern Michigan. There's an example, a young coach dove into the membership community, eventually got the BDT offense, connected with Alex, and has gone all in on these ideas. And he said it was okay to share this, but Missouri's having a heck of a year this mm -hmm. year. Uh, we're grateful to be working with them. But Matt, just incredible that he said this. He just said, the information that I learned from the basketball immersion community has helped separate me. Mm -hmm separate me as a coach mm -hmm. because now i have this knowledge mm -hmm. that again i think it's common knowledge as we've talked about many mm -hmm. times but it's really still not yeah and uh that's really part of it that uh, to hear people like that get not they invested they got value back yeah. and it's adding more value to their life beyond mm -hmm. just us it's other people now see the value that they have yeah and that's pretty cool that is amazing so above and beyond coming into the membership site and learning and being self-directed in your learning, you do consulting now with teams like Missouri or m multiple other teams. And you've been traveling, you know, more than ever, spending weeks abroad with now taking our kids too, which is fun. Yeah. Um, but what do you do for those teams when you go in and implement things in, with a federation, right? For example, Germany or Sweden, you've gone in and you're actually working at the highest level in the whole country applying the skill development and player development at the grassroots level. What is it that you're exactly doing there? Yeah, it's amazing after all these podcasts and I'm still pretty bad at talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, I know. But we don't like, I mean, we're not doing, we're not doing these things. And I, I do feel there's a certain privacy when we do work with people. Yes. So we don't share it and we don't go sure. there, but you know, you know, we met with an NBA head coach at Summer League mm -hmm. and we spent time on the two side break and the BDT offense and the conceptual offensive concepts. And now we're watching that team use those concepts. How cool is that? <laughs> How cool is that? And it's just those yeah. those fun experiences that uh, you know we're here to obviously share and to be able to add to what you do. In some cases, make over what you do, and in some cases, remove from what you do. And I remember the first NBA team I shared with. Their number one takeaway months later was that they removed fluff. Mm -hmm. They removed. The, why are we just doing this? Yeah. Time. Why are we doing this? Yeah. It doesn't add any value to our players. It yeah. doesn't add any but value. Because to we've always done it. We always do it. And it's those old traditions, which, you know, not knocking tradition anyway, but realizing when something is not serving you anymore, is just wisdom. It's growth. It's evolution. It's understanding that there could be a better way. And perhaps we open our mind and we do. And that's, you know, you've received a lot of openness from NCAA high level division one teams and NBA teams who are, have been doing traditionally the thing for so long and they know still there's a better way. How can I get a little bit of an understanding of to improve this at this highest level of basketball? There's still so much we can do. And actually some of it is removing some of the stuff we've always done, realizing it no longer has a place here. And that's okay. It was so fun being at summer league, uh, you know, this summer and getting 
access. I think we watched over 10 plus practices. But what was funny is as, as I was walking into practice, some assistant coaches were coming up to me and basically apologizing in advance before we watched the practice. And to, to me, it's like, again, there's this, there's a group of coaches. There's a group of people that just, again, see that there is a better way. And I'm seeing it. And I saw it more and more at Summer League through those practices, how much more there was interactivity offense versus defense, even if it was against coaches. There was almost, I saw a few practices where I would say the whole practice was some interaction of offense versus defense in wow. some context. And to me, that's, again, like you can practice for two hours, or you can practice for an hour, and that hour practice of interaction mm -hmm. has more value. value connecting perception and decision, this perception action coupling process. And uh, I do believe that uh, just grateful. I mean, we're here to share, and so many people have uh, been open-minded about that. And then the other part that with consulting, I mean, you know, certainly I've gone in person and I do stuff in terms of sharing. You know, the Australia tour, certainly we went into different organizations and different clubs and we did a clinic and we did a player session. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's kind of the best part of it when the coaches can see the player session mm -hmm. and see actually how we, Hands on. yeah, you see yeah. what this actually looks like. And we're not just saying it. Yeah. This isn't just a clinic yeah. where I say these things. Theoretically, we're doing yeah. this. Yeah. We're doing this. And that's really been the most powerful part of a lot of those situations. And then mm -hmm. um, some of the NCAA schools I've gone into, I've got a chance to work with their players a little bit and show some of these concepts. And again, it just opens minds, I believe, when you actually see that stuff. And uh, that's where I encourage people, obviously, uh, to be able to uh, get involved in our community and try some of these things out because it, it has a huge impact. And well, and the, and the online group, too, where people can post and share what they've done. I mean, there's so much that people learn from each other, right? We learn from each other and it's peer-to-peer -peer coaching. I mean, one of the things I love about your consulting is that you actually do go in person to get an opportunity to stand on the floor with the, those coaches and with their team that's actually happening right now. And you've done that a number of times. That's been really valuable, right? In, in addition to the clinics. Well, the interaction to be able to watch their practices and be with able their to own do, players. with their own yeah. players and then be able to give, again, specific advice or feedback or ideas about how to make over, add to, or subtract from what they do. Um, it's been great. I mean, again, so many teams have had great benefit from that. And it's been a lot of enjoyment to be able to do that. But then also the follow-up. Mm -hmm. where I'm getting practices after the fact. I'm getting different types of segments of practice. Yeah, uh, yeah and they're then, sending in film and now, or you're doing consulting on phone or Zoom. Yeah, Phone, Zoom. Season. You know, sometimes I work with the head coach directly and just me and them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I work with the, the coaching staff. staff. I know. It, I love it the just, Zooms with the whole staff <laughs> on the screen. It's so variable, but it's such a blessing to be able to do that. I'm grateful for, I mean, everyone in the community who's ever interacted with any of our material, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, you know, YouTube, basketball mm -hmm. podcast or has joined our community. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited because uh, you've been pushing this for a while uh, for me to be able to add a next level to this podcast as well, which is, what is it? Is it more of me? It do is. people really want? <laughs> it is. I think people do need and want more of you. Your, I mean, your expertise is so vast. You've been studying these concepts for now probably almost 30 years. You've been doing this for a long time. And because of the evidence-based approach behind it, and now we've seen with almost 10 years of basketball immersion in existence and people implementing it around the globe, you've seen from every level, children to you know the highest pro level in the world, how these things are actually improving skills, improving games, improving results in all these different ways. And 
it's not just theoretical anymore. So I think as much as we love the basketball podcast and you interviewing coaches from all around the world and all levels, which is great to highlight their expertise, you have so much expertise that is just like locked in you. And I think that new podcast is going to really bring it out. So yeah. Well, I'm excited because it gave me a chance to be able to kind of react more specifically to specific things that happen within a week or within, you know, I just came back from Australia. I can share things more, you know, interactively and dynamically from that trip and that experience and just be able to share more things and to give kind of more detail. Because as you said, when I'm on the basketball podcast, it is rightly so. It's about the guest. I certainly try and add value or ask the right question. And I hope I do a good job of that, of course. But for me, it's sometimes I do want to kind of add more to the conversation. Whether it's There's about some, add, yeah, yes, whether it's yeah. something about a coach yeah. said or something yeah. that they said that I think I should highlight. Yeah. Sometimes it's simply that, yeah, yeah. and this will give me an opportunity to be able to do that. Or whatever the case is, yeah. It'll give opportunities to be able to ask more specific questions for different listeners. It'll be given an opportunity for me to be able to share deeper ideas about what I've been sharing or what I've been evolving or interacting with, and then certainly this experience of being able to share. Uh, more specifically, some of the ideas from some of the coaches. And and also, to be honest, some of the best learning that happens from that podcast for me is the moments before and after when we're not actually recording. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly I would never violate trust or anything like that. But to share some of those things that come out, oh, I wish we were recording or we wish we were kind of, you know, talking when they kind of are even more free and more open. And some of these ideas that stimulate me, I go try them. And that's the beautiful thing about having a lab like I do coaching these different teams now. I have a lab where I can go try these things. I can tell you what works, what doesn't work uh, for me. And then you can adapt it or adopt it according to what you want as well. Uh, So the new podcast is launching when? uh, New podcast. uh, You should be able to search for it uh, after after this one releases. And uh, premium podcast, the basketball podcast, and yeah. we'll share all the information. The bonus across content all that isn't available on the regular podcast. It's going to be great. Extra additional wisdom from Chris himself, which I get an earful on most days and I love it. I just wow. don't implement it as much, but now I'm coaching. You're so coaching and, I mean, the value you've added to my coaching in my life is just yeah, incredible. I, I can't do uh, Jen, for you, for, for those that don't know her, she is a lifelong learner. Um, I would say it's beyond anyone I've ever been around in terms of her desire to learn and dive deep into things. And uh, uh, we have to share more of what you've learned and how it can apply to coaching at some point as well. And uh, that premium podcast will help us do that a little bit more, too. It's a total nerd out session. It's what we're all about nerding out about the science. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. We're like, can't read enough about the data here. You are a data queen for sure. (laughs) And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, one of the parts that I, I is a constant feedback, which I'm grateful for from the podcast as well, is that a lot of people feel that I ask the question they would want to ask after mm-hmm. somebody says something. So I have to circle back to something you've said. And uh, mm-hmm. our daughters wrote a five page essay <laughs> on why they shouldn't go back to golf lessons. Yeah. The first step happened with tennis where they advocated for themselves. And this is what I want to focus on. Uh, whether you're a parent or not a parent, I feel that my parenting has mirrored my coaching and my coaching mirrors my parenting in some way where it is somewhat of a games approach. It's let them figure it out, let them find their solutions, be there to be able to intervene when necessary. And this is an example of that, something that you spoke to them about and you keep reinforcing to them, which I'm so grateful for is advocate for yourself. So talk to us about the importance of that, because I believe this applies to student athletes is that we need to create the space for them to be able to advocate for themselves in a safe environment where they have psychological safety and it's non-threatening 
And it's not the potential of this transactional thing. Oh, you advocated for yourself and now I'm going to bench you or I'm going to run you or I'm going to be angry at you. You know, as a parent, we're going to create a space for you to be able to do this. So talk to us about Well, this. I mean, first of all, the creation of that space is huge. And I think most people don't advocate for themselves because they don't feel safe enough to speak what they want or what they need or what they, you know, even ask a question in most scenarios. Like they might sit there in a basketball practice and not want to put up their hand or ask a question because they're too intimidated by the coach, too intimidated by the situation, and they don't want to ask a dumb question. So I think first of all is really helping your players or children understand that this is a safe space and there are no bad questions, dumb questions, wrong answers, whatever. It's you can be safe here. You can be vulnerable. You can ask or answer anything and you're not going to get punished for it or, you know, have some kind of consequence. So that's the first thing is creating that safety for sure. Um, can I just add to that? Because yeah. uh, like, if you want to think about practically how we do that, we tell them we actually constantly. say those words we say it's those safe words here. Yeah, yeah it's safe you can you can say what you'll you never want be to wrong and always we're learning yeah. yeah you don't need to lie to us yeah. you're safe you can yeah. always talk and share can't say anything that's going to change the way we see you yeah. or who you are and then the other part about practice is i constantly want to tell players that they belong and i'm mm -hmm. happy you're here same thing for our that. daughters every day do that yeah. you belong I mean, two beautiful words to hear at any point in any time. And think about, I mean, I know one of the biggest barriers to people going to the gym and working out and getting healthier is because they are intimidated by the gym. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't walk in. Everybody will look at me. Well, if immediately if there's a creation of safety, you can't mess up here. Just come in. It's all free. That makes a huge barrier right gone, right? And so for I know for the kids, hearing those words, you belong here, you belong. That totally changes the way you approach it because constriction and fear and scary is clenching versus, hey, I can make a mistake. I can let loose. I can try new things and I'm not going to be in trouble. That's epic. So it's saying those exact words yeah. constantly. And it's not just one day. It's every regularly. single day or regularly yeah. that uh, you belong. I'm happy you're here. I'm excited to coach you. I'm so happy you're playing on the team. Mm -hmm. I, I know you're a good soccer player. I can't wait to help you be a better basketball player. It's something very specific mm -hmm. that lets them know that they're a part of this, yeah. even if they're struggling, mm -hmm. right? And that's the same for our daughters, the psychological safety. And uh, we've said it, and I, don't, I want you to continue on that thought about creating this uh, environment where they can advocate for themselves. But we also want to create an environment where they feel they can be free and creative. And that comes from permission, doesn't it? Where Absolutely. we've given them this tremendous permission to be creative and free. Well, and helping them understand what that feels like, right? Because creativity, someone could say, okay, hey, now, now is your time to be creative, <laughs> right? That it's works not how it happens, a hole so. in the head. So, but giving them that ability to be free and creative anytime and not having it as only, only when you get home from school, you can be a little creative and free. The rest of the time you have to sit and memorize whatever the teacher says, right? Uh, making them realize that just like there's no seams between practice and game, there's no seams between life and school. These are not different juxtaposed things. These are you're a student at school, you're a student of life. You are walking into each day, each afternoon, each morning as curious, a student and a human that you are. And when you do put up those barriers and walls and you can only do this here and then you can't do this there and this is not allowed in this position and this space or whatever, you almost make them feel like, oh, I'm only right to advocate my, for myself in this situation. But then when I, you know, so I'll safe at home, sure, I can tell mom and dad anything. Then I go to school. And when I didn't understand why I got a question wrong on my test, I didn't go to the teacher and ask, 
what, you know, what did I do here? How can I learn from this mistake? I just coil away, walk away, be mad that I didn't get the right mark. And so that's something we've done with the girls, creating that safety saying, you know, yeah, go to the teacher, ask them if you didn't understand why this was incorrect and you want to learn and you're going to learn from that, go ask the teacher and ask them how you can do this or that or whatever the case is. And I know for me, advocating for something was for myself, especially was not something I did. Uh, maybe that's just me as a female or culture had brought me up in a certain way. Um, but society did not teach me. Jen, go advocate for yourself loud and proud to all those male coaches you have or, you know, whoever is there. Because uh, there was definitely, I can say, an intimidation factor of, oh, they know best. I don't think uh, I'm not going to ask that. I'll just I'll probably figure out the answer if I sit here long enough, like, a you know, deer in headlights. And I didn't go and ask for extra this or, or understanding of this clarification of this. I just didn't want to ruffle feathers, cause extra attention, whatever the case was. And I think for us to teach students and athletes that young in their lives, it's only going to help them in every other way, right? As an employee at a job, you're going to go advocate for yourself to get a raise when you've been doing all the things. Yet what we know statistically is that people will be in jobs for decades without asking and advocating for themselves in certain ways, right? We can be in relationships where we don't advocate for ourselves for decades at a time. And these things are important. And I think when you speak of it, it's, there's no elephant in the room. Everybody's nervous. Nobody's talking. It's, hey, we all belong here. Every question belongs. And no one's then judging their partner, neighbor, whoever. And the other part about this is that uh, we, I frame it for people as saying, my children are active participants in our family. And in their learning. And my players are active participants in our team. Mm -hmm. This isn't like I'm the coach yeah. and then they're the players yeah. and do what I say. No. It's like we're all actively involved in the same goal. We want you all to be the best version of yourself mm -hmm. and we want to help our team succeed, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. So to talk to us about the other side of that. So you advocate for yourself and somebody says no. Yeah. Like we could have easily said to our kids, okay, no, you must go right. finish. And we have lessons. done that before for totally. things. Yeah. But that's part of the education process too, is like you may advocate for yourself. That doesn't mean you're always going to mm -hmm. get what you want. Well, and I think, I mean, it, it depends from, let's say from the parent's perspective, if the kids come and they write the five page essay about the golf and we go, no, we've paid for golf lessons. You're going till the end of the lesson thing, right? We have, we had that choice. We were standing on the fence. We could do force you to 10 more lessons because we've paid for the whole semester or whatever, or hey, we're taking into account this five pages that you wrote about. We're going to have obviously a discussion about it. And then we can have the other decision, which is quit now because this has become a waste of your time. And our, and, and it's a sunk cost because we've already paid for the It's a waste month. of our time. It's a, we're driving you every time and, you know, have to hear about the complaints and you're not happy. And that's an hour and a half that you could be doing something else. We could go golf as a family, which is really why we're putting them in. That's the games approach. We want them to go play. Why are we putting them in golf lessons at 10 years old? So you and I can golf with them at yeah. whatever we want. So let's golf with them whenever we want. And yeah. we learn within the thing. We, not we that did that with teachers, tennis, right? We did that with tennis. Same thing. They were having, we would watch their tennis lessons. We went, uh, I mean, obviously it was an hour long. So we'd stand there or we'd leave and come back and we'd get to watch a bit. And even if there was six kids in the tennis lesson, they would have so few touches. They'd be standing there in a lineup for way too long. And we're just going, okay, so we understand why they don't like it. So okay, instead of we pay, let's say we pay $100. I'm just making up a number. We pay $100 for 10 lessons or whatever it is. Okay, they've gone to five. We've already paid the money when it waste. Now they have five hours of lessons they never did. Yeah, okay, we're not getting our money's worth, sure. Or we can learn that 
that hour five times that they spend, if we go with them and we started doing that, we, we do one-on-one, on one, you and I, yeah. or you take the two girls out and I take the two girls out and we're just playing the game. Am I a coach? No. If anyone knew me, te my tennis game, they would not want me teaching anybody. But did those girls improve more playing with us on a weekly basis? But we as adults, as parents made the commitment that, you know what? Yeah, you can quit. Sure. But we're going to take that hour. We're just going to take you. And we're going to make sure that you still get touches in the tennis realm. That's not maybe always an opportunity for someone. However, we're thinking with the end in mind, just like we're practicing with, we want them to improve for a game situation. Why do we want to put them in tennis lessons? What are they learning in tennis lessons? Standing there, bored, looking around, not participating, not growing, not learning. Okay, we're paying for this? Hold on. Let's actually see. We're not just going to, hey, my kids are in tennis lessons. And it's just an announcement, pronouncement we make for ourselves. What's the purpose? What's the actual goal? And right. what result are we seeking? Well, and for us, it comes back to, again, it's not right or wrong. It's, is there a better way? And there was a better way yeah. for us. And we understand not everyone has that opportunity yeah. to be able to do that. But we created space to be able to play tennis with our daughters mm -hmm. and to hold space for them to play tennis with them. And they improved yeah. more in yeah. that space than they did in the teacher-led space from an expert. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, they played and, more you know, tennis. Exactly. And I mean, not to mention... It's a, it, it was a real realization in our way where it was like, hey, we do have the time to actually teach them tennis. Yeah, we aren't tennis pro number one, but we can teach them what they need to learn now. And then we're interacting with them and enjoying. We're not outsourcing. We can outsource other things, but this is a potential thing that we don't have to outsource. Why do we? Well, and the moral of the story is both of them, if we said, hey, let's go play tennis or let's play go, go play golf. They love it. They want to go play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the goal. Like we want them to enjoy the sport. Mm -hmm. And that's the same vision for basketball practice. I'd mm -hmm. like them all to enjoy wanting to go to basketball mm -hmm. practice. Yeah. Oh, wait. And then with this club team in the area, under 12 club team, what was amazing over the holidays is, again, I don't want to portray any part of this that we're good or we're skilled. It is a struggle every single day outside of our daughters and probably maybe one other player. It's a very low level in this area right now for this team. but. Over the holidays, different times, over Thanksgiving break and over Christmas break, we would just organize a time at the park where we said, hey, come meet. And did people come? Mm -hmm. People came. It's so much fun. But do you know why they came? Because they knew they play. were going to play basketball. Yeah, they're not coming to do a drill. They're not coming to do drills. They're yeah. coming to play basketball. And why do kids, you know, they don't know how to compete or they don't know how to play pickup. They don't know how to do that. You know why they don't? Because we don't, don't create those space. Yeah. We don't create the space and hold the space mm -hmm. for them to do it. Mm -hmm. And because our kids have played basketball every practice, mm -hmm. they know that if they come to the park on their holiday, they're, they're going to play basketball. basketball. Yeah. So sometimes it's three on three, sometimes two on two, sometimes four on four, mm -hmm. depending on how many players came. But they mm -hmm. played basketball. And I coached them less in those times. I gave them even more freedom mm -hmm. with the idea of giving them more space to be able to kind of figure things out mm -hmm. on their own. And we only interjected when we needed to. And that was a tremendous part of this. And uh, yeah. to me, so much of this connects back to your playing career and my playing career and realizing when was the best version of Jen as a basketball player and when was the best version of Chris as a basketball player? When we were playing pickup Pick <laughs> after our careers were over. Why? Because you had freedom. Yeah. I wasn't trying to fit in a role or do only what the coach told me to do or, yeah. Totally. Again, this isn't a knock on your coach. No. But no. man, great coaches. Because you were a very good yeah. player. Yeah. But I think you were I potentially a, a great player. Because the way you played pickup, 
was a completely different version. I was a different player. It was exactly. a different version of Jack. Anyone who knows me can attest to that. My pickup game, because it was free. And I, I spent so much time in games, nervous that I wasn't doing the right things. And they, nothing from practice necessarily did transfer for me. And I, I never realized that until afterwards. Well, and the other part is that you were limited in the game. Mm. It was like, do yeah. this, be stand here. here. And then there was no opportunity for you to just catch the score, drive to score, pass to score. Yeah. It was, yeah. okay, move much the ball less, here because um, you're, you're following within the this. system. Yeah. 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 To me, uh, like so much of what I share with people is reflecting on how good I got at pickup after I wasn't coached. Like I really, I could have played at a high level. I oh, feel yeah. Yeah. if that was the version of me, yeah, good, yeah, because I had the skills. I was man. You and I both. We worked on our game so much on our own. Player led yeah, development. You were alone sure. in the gym. I was alone in so gym much. or my driveway. My skills were there. You know what wasn't there? Game. Yeah, yeah. my Practicing game, games. my ability to play in a game. Because yeah. I know. Because again, I loved my high school coach. Tremendous person. Mm -hmm. Love him to this day. He showed up all the time. He created space. <laughs> oh, Tremendous. my coaches all did that. I love Nothing that. negative yeah. about that. Yeah. You know what we did? We ran suicides yeah. or lines, as yeah. we call them now. Yeah. We did rote memorization drills of three-man weave, five-man yeah. weave. And we played in an extreme structure. Which was fun for the you know camaraderie of the team and oh. the, all the things. Everything went well. It's just now we know better. That's so we point. can do better. Right? We can do better. Yeah. We know better. Yeah. And we know that Chris and Jen would have been much better basketball players if they played in an environment where they could problem solve, they had some freedom and permission to make mistakes and to find solutions for themselves. And that doesn't mean just roll out the ball and let them play. It meant that we would be coached within this within context. Yeah, within the, the context. And of we the see game. it in our kids. I mean, our nine-year-old. Oh, I, in fourth grade, was I even playing basketball? No, let alone the things that she's doing. It's incredible. The decision making, she's making decisions right. in a game, like in a practice. It's amazing. And our 11 year old throws passes that people can't behind the back. Yeah, can't, can't, can't catch, can't play. Yeah. We never practiced the behind the back pass. I mean, when like Chris actually teaches players to pass it this way, over the shoulder, back, behind, do this. That was like, if you even did it, they would be like, this is wrong. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Like, like she Kennedy will approach at the top of the key before she even gets she's doing between the leg dribbles behind the back I couldn't do that even in college I would never have had the confidence to bring up the ball and dribble between my legs which is pretty sad I'll admit but <laughs> the truth no because it's been coached out of you and, and I say that a lot of times like at my summer basketball camps or player development sessions with different players from pros on them on down one of the first things I kind of do is frame it as I'm defundamentalizing you mm, what you think is a traditional yes. fundamental actually isn't it's actually just one solution hmm. like a jump stop hmm. people would say is a fundamental to right, playing basketball right, right. Oh. but you know what it is it's only one solution hmm. there are other possibilities right. and other solutions yeah. yeah so to me that's the biggest thing that i've done with our daughters when they play with me or they play at practice it's to never teach them something that restricts them hmm. and limits them hmm. now i can always pull them back that. but i can always pull them back yeah. And say, hey, listen, uh, you know, Kennedy, in this situation, in this game, you know, focus on doing this because that's your advantage. Mm -hmm. But if I start with the restriction yeah. and the limitation, she never gets that holistic perspective totally. of what's possible. And to me, that's the most beautiful thing about watching them is they both see what's possible. It's so fun. Yeah. yeah to watch their little wheels in their head turning. No question. <laughs>
Well, we could probably talk about these concepts and we have, and we live together and talk about it all day and all night. So um, we have to kind of end at some point, but uh, this has been really good. I love featuring you and highlighting your wisdom, babe, because you really know what you're talking about. And I just see how you're impacting the coaching world, see how you're impacting the basketball world. And uh, there's just so much opportunity to come with helping others see that way too. And we really want to increase the conversation. I mean, our hashtag is share the game. We're always sharing. We're always loving to share and hear, but I want to hear from you. Do you want to hear from them? I want to hear from everyone. I mean, to me, that's been the value. And uh, that's where for me, I have so many mini conversations, private conversations where people text or DM Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so many of those conversations have been really stimulating for me to be Mm -hmm. able to help me kind of focus in and improve Mm -hmm. on different things. But by and large, it's just amazing to have people involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always mean agreeing. Mm-mm. And- no. And I, I'm curious just even how has basketball immersion or a games approach changed your coaching? I mean, just something simple like that is what has influenced you? Because there's so many concepts. Like you said, the constraints is a huge one. When I started learning about the constraints, it was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Okay. Right. Restrict something to afford something to yeah. appear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so it's, it's simple concepts. So something like that, I know a little concept like that, huge impact in the way that your games go, the way that your practices go, et cetera. So I definitely think we can think of questions like that, that we could ask, how has something impacted you specifically? Or what other question would you ask a coach directly? No, we just love to hear your uh, feedback on, on the value that the podcast or our mm-hmm. sharing on social media or basketball immersion community have added to your coaching, mm-hmm. uh, particularly removed from just the plays that we share. I mean, mm-hmm. I've talked about it many times. We share plays because people love plays and we try to add value, certainly with common sense plays that can fit into different scenarios if you want them. But to me, the value of what we're sharing is hopefully things that stimulate about how to teach the game better or differently and ideas that you can adapt or adopt to be able to help your players have more fun playing basketball. So I'd love to hear more from everyone from that. And, uh, you know, from the podcasts and different things, you can kind of tell even within the podcast, I don't need to be confrontational with people. If somebody Mm -hmm. comes on the podcast and says they do three man weave, Mm -hmm. I have nothing but respect. There's no (laughs) moment where I'm like angry or frustrated (laughs) about that. It's, it's literally, again, these are your choices and this is you and you being the best version of yourself coach and i don't feel on the podcast i need to interject my opinion like that because i think i'm pretty much on the record with so much of what i share and what i do but and that's why you know we've created the bonus material and the premium podcast is because this just gives you an opportunity to talk more directly about these things in a specific context so again coach from you listener here of the basketball podcast what do you want to learn more of what do you want to hear more of i mean chris Probably you have approximately 700 episodes, just like at the tip of your tongue. <laughs> so, uh, you know, above and beyond 700, what do you got? Right. 700, just a few. Well, it's going to evolve, and that's going to be the fun thing about the Premium Podcast. So look for that information. And uh, thank you again for your continued support of the Basketball Podcast. As I said, over 5 million downloads worldwide in so many countries and so many places. And uh, Basketball Immersion Community, everything from NBA to youth coaches in the community, uh, learning and sharing. And uh, immersion videos, which has been amazing to be able to share other people's intellectual property and to help them kind of share what their passion is and the way they do things has inspired and impacted so many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, just grateful for all these platforms. And uh, mostly I'm grateful for you, Jen, for all your support and love. And uh, 
all the knowledge that you've shared and uh, Ben I have been able to share with others. So yeah. thank you for sharing the game thank with you. us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon, Coach. Coach, I can't wait to get you back to the basketball podcast, but I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you about immersionvideos.com. Have you checked out immersionvideos.com? Watch a NATO's practice and see how he has Alabama ranked in the top five nationally. Or get access to our new release featuring nine all-access practices from Alex Rama. Or other products from Tobin Anderson, Doug Novak, Dave Smart, Scott Morrison, Aaron Fern, Mark Cassio, Francisco Nanny, and more. Immersionvideos.com was created to provide value to coaches like you who are looking to stimulate their professional development by offering unique all-access tools necessary for you to be an outstanding coach who values learning and seeks to evolve. Go to ImmersionVideos.com and check it out today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at BasketballImmersion.com newsletter.